Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Thursday, October 13th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. From the frying pan and into the fire for the Chiefs this week. After an escape victory over the Las Vegas Raiders, the Chiefs now face the rugged Buffalo Bills at Arrowhead. The Bills and Chiefs are the only AFC teams with 4-1 records, and they may be the NFL's top teams. On today's show, columnist Sam McDowell and beat writer Jesse Newell join me on our weekly Sports Beat Live broadcast to break down the game with the outcome possibly determining home field advantage throughout the AFC playoffs. We get into it by asking why the Chiefs got off to such a horrible start last week and what lessons can be learned from that. We talk about the Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes matchup and what the Chiefs must do to upset the team that is favored to win. That's right, the Chiefs are an underdog this week the first time in the Patrick Mahomes era that he is not favored to win at home. Okay, let's get started. Hey, good morning from sunny Kansas City. Uh, Actually feels like fall out there this morning. Uh, Welcome to Sportsbeat Live. It's the Kansas City Star's weekly show, Talking Chiefs, with the folks in the media who know them best and with you. Please send along your questions and comments and talk Chiefs with us. We've got Sam McDowell and Jesse Newell in the house. I believe we'll be joined by Vahe Gregorian here sometime soon. Uh, Herbie Teope has a conflict and uh, will not be joining us today. So injuries will come from somebody other than um, uh, than Herbie. And, um, and Vahe, I, I misspoke, Vahe will not be joining us today either. So, uh-oh, just the three of us here. Mm-mm-mm. This is going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there is plenty to discuss with, uh, with with the game that just occurred just a couple of nights ago, the, the Monday night victory over the Raiders, and of course the uh, monster matchup with the Buffalo Bills on Sunday, 325 kick on CBS. Um, I'll tell you what, guys, I, I think a good place to start is uh, Chiefs were a seven-point favorite last week. Seven, maybe it got up to seven and a half. I don't know what it was at, at kickoff, but why did that game turn out to be as close as it did? And, and what can the what can the Chiefs learn from from that game to take into a contest against a seemingly more difficult opponent in the Buffalo Bills? Sam, let's let's uh, start with you. Well, I think that the the last two weeks now we've heard about instances that have motivated the Chiefs, and particularly the Chiefs' offensive line. Whether it was early in the week against Tampa Bay after coming off that Colts loss in which Andy Reid challenged the offensive line, or whether it was in-game against the Raiders where the Chiefs were losing the battle of physicality on both sides of the ball. And Patrick Mahomes uh, challenged them after one play and said, we're going to win or lose this game based on you guys. Or And Patrick Mahomes' lingo was based on y'all. Um, so I think that this team needs to get to a place where they don't need the quarterback to motivate them to play hard. And we've seen that the past couple of weeks. So when you ask why the game was so close, it's because of how poorly they they started the game. I mean, they got down 17 to nothing purely because the Raiders were a more physical team than they were on both sides of the ball. And the Royals are the Royals. The, the Chiefs offensive line got destroyed. The Chiefs defensive line got destroyed for the first quarter and a half of that game. And Jesse, I know you don't believe uh, much in the uh, the idea of a trap game or uh, those those kind of betting uh, thoughts or ideas. But the Chiefs are coming off a, a really 
stout victory at Tampa Bay with the Buffalo Bills. They're, uh, they're, they're, they're this decade rival, big rival ahead with the, you know, with the Raiders coming in, which had just gotten their first victory. I don't know. I, I can't help but think that falling behind 17 to nothing, they got punched in the mouth in that game and, um, and, and had to respond to it. You don't usually see that from Andy Reid coach team or Patrick Mahomes led teams. Yeah, I'm going to give some credit to the Raiders here. You know, they had a good offensive game plan. They brought in that sixth offensive lineman. They hit a big play downfield on the fourth and one, which is part of that 17 nothing uh, lead that they they got out to. And, you know, they played like a team that needed a win at one and three and wanted to show people something. And again, we can talk about motivation if you want to, but, you know, kind of just touch this top off where you talked about how, what, why did the Chiefs not perform as well when they were favored by seven or seven and a half? And, the answer might just be that the seven and the seven and a half was too much, you know, like the Raiders were pretty good in that game. And, uh, you know, we can say the chiefs, they did lose what five or six points on that. Chris Jones play. Um, those things happen from time to time that, you know, happen from game to game, bad calls are going to happen, but overwhelmingly, I just think the chiefs, you know, instead of a, a motivational thing, you're right. I mean, they got fired up after that Jerick McKinnon run and kind of started to play physical football after that, after Patrick Williams challenged the offensive line, but, I do want to give the Raiders some credit because I thought they played really well. They had a good game plan going in. They were aggressive when they needed to be. They hit some deep shots down the field. They took advantage of some of the defensive deficiencies that the Chiefs had. And um, a lot of this, I, I don't want to just laser focus on the Chiefs. I, I do want to take a, a broader view and say, hey, this is probably a better Raiders team than the one and four record. And frankly, it might be a better Raiders team than we saw a season ago when they went 10 and seven and sort of got lucky when they were outscored by their opponents. So um, this is maybe the one team in the AFC West that is better than we thought going into the season, but that one and four record isn't going to show it. And I think they gave a great performance on Monday night. That, that offensive line thing is going to be interesting to see moving forward um, because I actually, I actually think the Raiders lucked into that game plan. I don't think it was their intention. Darren Waller went out of the game in the second quarter, and I think the intention was to use him in that manner. Instead, because they only dressed two tight ends, they have to use a sixth, or sixth offensive lineman for most of the game. And it took the Chiefs a long while to adjust to that because basically they obviously had the advantage in the running game. The Chiefs did not add an extra defensive lineman. They did not add an extra – linebacker they just brought their safety into the box well that means you only have one safety back so you had single coverage on the outside they took advantage of that we saw the dpi calls in the second quarter because of that we saw the long balls jesse mentioned to Devonte adams in the first quarter so i wonder now moving forward are other teams going to try and replicate this in a different manner maybe it is using an extra tight end but the chief show defense showed something on film now, of course, the element of surprise is gone if another team does that. You would think the Chiefs are working on that at some point this week. They adjusted to it better in the second half. There were still some hiccups. Um, but I just think that's really going to be an interesting storyline, you know, this week against the Bills um, because Josh Allen can run the ball. You know, I mean, you add an extra element to, to taking advantage of that formation this week. Yeah, how about Josh Jacobs running for a career high? Was it 154 uh, in, in that game? And I, he absolutely benefited by uh, with an extra offensive lineman for for the Raiders. And that, you know, every time that uh, Carl Cheffers, whose name has already popped up in our in our feed here, uh, every every time he mentioned, I forgot the numbers involved. Uh, 77 is an eligible receiver or something, but that's. If you heard that on television, we certainly heard it at the stadium. That's how many times the, the Raiders went with the 
uh, the additional offensive linemen. And uh, I think you're right, Sam, that the, your work, Chiefs weren't prepared for it. I, I don't know how you could be because it wasn't the, – the Raiders weren't prepared for it. It just uh, – a, a nice piece of fortune for the Raiders that helped them get to the lead that they they got. So uh, the other the other factor, I believe, in the fact that the, the Chiefs didn't cover and the game was as close as it was – um, how many points did the Chiefs not get in the kicking game because of uh, Harrison Butker again wasn't available? Um, missed field goal, and uh, I, 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 never again will I just uh, take for granted having a good kicker on the team. There are so many NFL teams that don't have, you know, a Justin Tucker, a Harrison Butker, uh, uh, the, the Raiders kicker, the the Bengals kicker. What a what a weapon that is. And, and to be able to rely on your kicker, the, the way that uh, these teams do Carlson for the Raiders, um, that, that is something that cannot be underestimated. I think more than that, Blair, it's just the confidence in the kicker. Um, Andy Reed twice now is basically just throwing that baby out with the bathwater. And that's after Matthew, Wright. I mean, let's say this, we talk about Harrison Bucker, Nick Lowry, John Stenrud, all these great kickers in chiefs history. Who has the record for the longest field goal in Chiefs history right now? It's Matthew Wright last game. You know what I mean? And uh, we were just talking about this uh, on, the, on the radio show here uh, at, at A10. But it, it's crazy to me. Like, it's one thing to not trust a college kicker. But Matthew Wright is a top 50 kicker in the world right now. I mean, the guy should be able to make an extra point. And so, listen, if the decision was just basically trust your offense, go out there, have them get up nine, I totally get it. I mean, if I were Andy Reid, I would way more often than not say I'm trusting Patrick Mahomes. I'm throwing him out there. But that seemed to me more like the Colts game where I just do not trust this kicker as far as I can throw him. And we saw later he didn't trust his offense because they had, as Cody mentioned down there, he's exactly right. And Sam, I'm going to kick it to you because you wrote about it. He has fourth and three to win the game. Guys, the Chiefs on third and seven plus this year have converted 52% of their third downs. On fourth and three, you're not going for it to ice the game against the Raiders. So obviously there is this sort of complex right now with Andy Reid where if it's not Harrison Butker, he just doesn't trust you no matter how many 59-yard field goals you make in the first half. And and that's sort of the point the Chiefs are at right now. So they'll be very happy to have Harrison Butker back, not just because he is a great kicker, top five kicker in the NFL, but mostly because he's going to get out of the coach's head right now. Because right now him having any kicker other than Butker has completely changed what he thinks about his team and what decisions he makes. Yeah, I think it also adds something to uh... – to Bucker because, you know, I asked Dave Tobdis a couple of weeks ago, the nature of how Harrison Bucker suffered that injury, you would think is going to be in his head as far as like, I mean, because it was came when he planted, like he did nothing wrong. It's not like he was involved in a tackle on a kickoff and he's just like, okay, I'll, I'll, I got to stay away. It's just, it, it, he was planting to make a kick and he does that on every kick in a different manner, of course, on kickoffs and, and field goals. But I still think that could potentially be a mental battle that Harrison Bucker is just going to have to get through in a game situation before he feels totally comfortable with that. And so as much as I, I totally agree with Jesse, you know, Andy Reid is going to get to a spot at some point this season where he's like, okay, we've got Harrison Bucker and Harrison Bucker is back. But I just think it, it might take a couple of weeks before we see that Harrison Bucker mentally is in that space too. That's interesting because I think of the great kickers – uh, like the ones I mentioned earlier, are the ones that are also the most mentally strong, too. That there's uh, how many big kicks has Harrison Butker made for the Chiefs over the years? So you just think back to the, you know, the Bills playoff game last year and the Patriots playoff game in, in 18. And, you know, you get, a, 
get, get you know he has not missed in one of those situations so that'll be interesting to keep an eye on if he comes up in a in a big spot which in a game like this I don't know if you can count on it but you you can see it happening you're right there and also like if you watched uh if you remember last year when we asked Harrison Bucker about that Bills kick he acknowledged he was nervous like he's like I'm not gonna lie to you guys yeah at some point you think like if if I miss this kick we lose the game and for those people that, that watch all the Sunday slate of games, it was, it was pretty interesting hearing on Sunday night Justin Tucker after he made that game-winning field goal. He acknowledged that he he feels the nerves of a kick too. So the, I mean, these guys are human as much as the best kickers in the world. And, and Justin Tucker is literally the best I think we've ever seen. Um, you know, it, it seems like they, they can be robots at some point because they're so automatic. But that definitely plays a factor in the in it. And, and I, I should have mentioned that. When I did ask Dave Tobe about that, his answer was was yes. That is going to be part of Harrison Bucker's recovery is getting over the mental hurdle of it. Real quick, guys, Harrison Bucker was out of practice yesterday, so at least is a promising sign. Potentially he'll be able to go this week. I just wanted to throw this to you guys real quick. What do you think the odds were that Matthew Wright could make that extra point uh, against the Raiders? And what do you think Andy Reid thought the odds were that he would make the extra point against the Raiders? Because I think those two numbers are way different. You know what I mean? What, what, what do you guys think? What are, what are the odds after make, missing a field goal? What are the odds he makes that extra point if he decides to kick it? Well, much lower in Andy Reid's estimation uh, than than uh, Matthew Wright's. That that's for certain. You know what's funny about this is a week earlier Matthew Wright had a, had a nice game, right? Um, for the Chiefs down in the Tampa week before, Bay. Matthew Amendola had a nice game too. Yeah, right, right. Before he before he you know did what he did against Indianapolis. And then of course we saw what happened last week for the Cardinals. So um bit of a crapshoot there with, with non proven NFL kickers. You know, I, I wanted to bring this up too. Um, we we're kind of bounce around cause there's so many topics, especially, you know, with, with the bills coming up, but I don't want to spend much time on roughing the passer. That's it's played out. It's, it's the national conversation for for a couple of days. But what I wanted to ask you about was: Did you notice where Chris Jones had lined up when he got that sack? He was at a defensive end, and I'm wondering how many times you've seen that from him this year. And I don't I don't have a stats in front of me, or I, I don't. Uh, but but he was laid up, lined up on the outside, and I just don't remember seeing that much this season. Is there any place uh, I'm, to look I'm, at, I'm, like yeah, a, a snap counts? Or? I'm looking up real quick here. Uh, it is something the Chiefs have done to try to get him the best matchups. And, you know, you look at pro football focus so far this year, Chris Jones has been the highest graded defensive player in all of the NFL so far. So he's been productive yeah. not only on the inside, but also when they have shifted him to the outside. So that has been something they play with this year. I can get the exact numbers here real quickly. But uh, obviously last year when they started him on the edge and then realized that was a bad mistake, they moved him back inside. He might primarily play inside. And he's a wreck inside. You Honestly, you'd prefer to have a great interior rusher because, I mean, just think about the lines that you make. Like, getting to the quarterback is quicker when you're on the inside. So uh, that's a good thing for the Chiefs. But, again, if he has an ability to pick on a particular guard or tackle on the outside and the Chiefs see that before the game, it seems like that's kind of how they've been using him. So I can pull up these numbers real quick. But uh, it has been something that's happened in previous weeks and kind of depending on a game situation, how he can be able to impact in a different way. I just think it may come with, you know, you have more steps to take. Like you said, Jesse, there's a distance factor here, more step, steps to take. May, it may have been why the sack came with more force maybe than, than might be expected from somebody who's lining up in the middle. 
and, and get to the quarterback from, from more of a straight on angle than, than uh, what Jones did. Anyway, listen, it's, it's neither here nor there, but to me, the, the, the sidebar of the sack controversy was Chris Jones lining up on the outside and coming in from that angle. Um, so the, <laughs> so many angles on, on um, uh, storylines with the bills coming up. One of them is, what are, how are the Chiefs going to defend a team that have that has wide receivers, multiple wide receivers as good as the Bills have, with you know Stephon Diggs and and Gabriel Davis, who's you know um, I think still running into the end zone at, at Arrowhead Stadium. Uh, it, it's it, it's unbelievable. Uh, and as, as Cody mentions, uh, do we expect Trent McDuffie to be back, and can he make a difference in this game? So McDuffie is a little bit of a tougher case to gauge because he's still technically on IR. He was on the practice field yesterday, but since he's on IR, we don't get a designation to how big of a workload Trent McDuffie had yesterday. So, um, you know, that activation, if it happens, would probably come on Saturday even. You know, it could be that late in the week before we know whether or not Trent McDuffie is is ready to roll. Um, Yeah, you know, he is back at practice, which means he'll be back within the next three weeks for sure. Unless, of course, you know, that's barring a setback of some sort. And should the Chiefs be worried that Derek Carr went over the top uh, twice to Devontae Adams and, and both times uh, Legereus Sneed was not on Devontae Adams? When, when Sneed was on Adams, they didn't go Adams' way. Uh, but in in those two instances where they, they, they went over the top, they – uh, they, they picked on, I think, was it Fenton the first time? And Brian Cook was the closest player to Devontae Adams to, for the second touchdown, the one in the fourth quarter. And to see what Josh Allen did against the Steelers going over the top and what he's been doing all year, really, um, is, how big a concern should this be for the Chiefs? So I would say yes, but I would say every team should have this concern when they play the Bills, um, just like every team has this concern when they play Patrick Mahomes. And that's why you see the defenses you see. Um, Steve Spagnuolo is usually less reluctant or more reluctant to just throw all cover two at a quarterback the whole game. The way that, you know, I mentioned everybody should be concerned about Patrick Mahomes in this situation. Well, they, they account for that. They, they play a ton of cover two, although we've seen a little bit less this year. Um, but I thought going into the year that Rashad Fenton on the outside might be a little bit of an issue because speed is not his strength. And, Look, I'll excuse the fourth and one because I think you've got a chance to end a drive there and selling out to try and stop the run is not that bad. Um, And that's what the Chiefs did. And they had single coverage up top. And Devontae Adams is one of the very best wide receivers in the world. He's he's a little bit difficult to defend in single coverage. Uh, So I don't really mind that call. And I'm not too concerned about that. But that was not Rashad Fenton's only mistake in that game. I mean, he had a tough day. Rashad Fenton's also injured. You know, he didn't practice yesterday. So I think they really need Trent McDuffie back um, because, I mean, that's why you drafted him first, you know, with your first pick is you had a need at cornerback and, you know, that that need has not disappeared. Yeah, I'm glad you said that, Sam, because you're absolutely right. Um, The Raiders got the Chiefs on scheme on that fourth and one. Like they had the right play call. They got the one-on-one for Devontae Adams. They decided to throw it deep, which is a risky proposition to start with, and they hit it. Uh, that's not Rashad Penn's fault. No, nobody, no cornerback in the NFL should get no safety, 
uh, help and be able to cover him in space. Uh, the one you talked about earlier, Blair, I mean, I'm just being honest, uh, Brian Cook needs to be further back. I mean, that was a play where you have two deep safeties. Nobody should run by you. And actually, if you look and watch closer at that play, the Raiders had mirrored routes. So I think it was Thornhill at the top, and you see Thornhill and Cook, and Cook gets beat by Adams, and the top is actually covered because Thornhill is doing what he's supposed to do and being further than the deepest. And so, again, that, you, you mark some of that up to inexperience, to rookie play, to those guys getting in there. But I, I do think it's worth noting, Fenton did not play as badly as that one play indicated. But at the same point, I think they could use more depth. And the reason they took Terry McGuffey in the first round is you sort of figured that that side is going to be taken care of. You know, you're going to have a guy who you can rely upon and have a, a pretty high floor in these particular games. What makes it up for the Bills, as Sam said, which is like, if you want to, it's like the Raiders last week. Like they, you want, they want to take away Kelsey. So what do you give up? Okay, well, you know, all of a sudden Juju Smith-Schuster catches a pass and Marquez Valdez-Scanley catches a pass and McCall Hardman goes deep. All those guys have single coverage. Like if you are the Chiefs and you just put everybody in coverage, well, all of a sudden you've got Josh Allen barreling at you and you got the Bills throwing in their fullback and they go to a power run game. So this is what makes these two offenses so difficult is that when you try to stop one thing, when you try to game plan and scheme something up, they've got a counterpunch they can go to that's just as effective. And uh, I can tell you right now, the Chiefs definitely are are worried about the, the Josh Allen run game because he's shown that in the past ability to uh, to make plays with his feet and be able to turn the same way that Mahomes does, turn some gains that shouldn't be there into gains. And even when you scheme this thing up pretty well, he's still able to make plays and move the football down the field. The interesting thing, Blair, is that week to week, you could go back and forth on Legereus Sneed's position on the field. You know, I, I think for the longest time, I thought that Legereus Sneed should be an outside cornerback. And the way he played in the initial month of the season was like, I get it. He's a game changer on the inside because he blitzes far better than anybody else on the team does from that spot. Even their linebackers, he blitzes better than the linebackers do from that spot. Just the way he disguises it. Jesse broke down a, a play in Tampa that, that illustrated that. But, you know, I, I think you could go back Monday night and said, man, you got to put that guy on your outside. He's, he's, he's your best cornerback, and they had a top receiver, and, man, you need – and this week could be the same thing. I mean, you've got – I mean, you mentioned Gabriel Davis, which is the name everyone's going to remember, but Stephon Diggs is one of the best receivers in the game, one of the best route runners in the game. Again, this week you might be saying, man, you got you got to put Legereus Sneed out there unless, you know, Gabriel Davis could, could potentially be in the slot. Um, so it's just it's an interesting proposition that I'm sure the Chiefs have asked themselves several times before landing on the fact that they think Snead's best best position is in the slot. Well, here's the problem, Sam, is that when he is in the slot, like everybody's looking at him now, like, is this guy rushing? Hey, hey, watch that guy. You know, like he he screws with an offense. You know what I mean? Like everybody now is worried about Lajerry Snead. And then if he goes in coverage, they're like, oh, oh, okay. You know, and so this is kind of a give and take. But I mean, the bottom line with this is what you said, like. Chris Jones, number one, has been the Chiefs' best defensive player. Legereus Sneed, number two, has been the Chiefs' second-best defense player to me. Now, you can make a, a case for Nick Bolton. I think he struggled a little bit in some pass coverage type of stuff, but he's been a sure tackler and obviously been a, a great uh, add-on to, to get in that lineup and replace you know the guy that he did uh, in Hitchens. But I, I think he's been their second-best player. And to be able to create – I mean, we kind of overlooked this one. To be able to create another fumble last week with that hit he had, I know it goes out of bounds, but he can't control that. I mean, he's creating turnover-worthy plays almost every single week. So it's a credit to him. He's been one of the Chiefs' best players this year, and he's definitely somebody that offenses are worried about. Yeah, Jeremy says Bill's offensive line banged up. Pressure on Allen could be the game changer. I, I think I think this is going to be kind of a keep-your-eyes-on-Nick-Bolton game because he's. I think he's going to be responsible for Allen when he, when he looks to escape the pocket, and that'll be – 
uh, that'll be Bolton's responsibility. And I think the Chiefs are in a better position this year than at any other time in the past two seasons when they played the Bills because it's not going to be Anthony Hitchens doing it. It's going to be Nick Bolton. So um, a little fun fact, um, I, I looked this up earlier this week. The we, we, Everybody respects Josh Allen as a you know, his, his ability to run. The two most productive running games for Patrick Mahomes in his career were the two games against the Bills last season. He had 69, I think, in the, in the playoff game and 61 in the regular season game. I might have those reversed. But those are the two best rushing games by Patrick Mahomes. And not all of that is escaping, you know, is being flushed and, and running. Some of it is, but not all of it. There were some designed runs for Mahomes here. The Bills don't blitz. They're not, they're the, uh, they, they, they have the second lowest blitz percentage in the NFL. So I think this is one of those games where when you see the, the end zone camera on a replay and you see linebackers turned and, you know, DBs turned and, and Mahomes sees that, that's when he takes off and runs. And that is, uh, that is an effective play for the Chiefs. Yeah, you know, as good as uh, Josh Allen and, and the Bills' offense is, you know, their defense has actually statistically been better than the offense. And that's not just, you know, the, the straight-out numbers. I mean, the, the DVOA on Football Outsiders has them better. Now, the Bills haven't played a, a particularly, like, grueling schedule to open this year. Patrick Mahomes will certainly be their toughest test. But you mentioned the blitz percentage, Blair. I could see the blitz, I could see the 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 Bills exhausting a full game without a blitz on Sunday. I think it's one of the few games where Patrick Mahomes knows what coverages he's going to see. The the variance that the Bills have is they really play the robber coverage very well. And heck, Jesse illustrated a, a robber coverage that the Chiefs saw on uh, Monday against the Raiders. But basically, you know, they use their safeties interchangeably. And that's what seems to fool the Chiefs sometimes. And that's what got them in that first matchup against the Bills last year. Can I real quickly, when we're talking about safeties, just uh, something to keep in mind as well. Um, what's so interesting about this matchup is I think both these teams, and maybe, Sam, you can give a nod or a, a shake. I think both these teams, just in the very back of their mind, when they're getting personnel in the offseason or drafting, they're thinking about the other. You know what I mean? If you're the Bills, especially, and you lost to the Chiefs, thinking about how can we beat the Chiefs? You know, who can we bring in to make sure that we can match up with this team as well as we can? On the Chiefs side of this, let's look to Justin Reed because we talked about how good Josh Allen has been in the running game, even against the Chiefs. He has been a downhill safety who has helped them in the run game and played with physicality. So having him on the roster and signing him in the offseason and targeting him, I think part of the reason for that, you look at it and you say, okay, this guy can help when there's mobile quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen. You can keep your nickel defense in there you don't have to you, you can kind of have the safeties back there who are versatile but yet you have some run support there and a guy who can come up and hit and make the quarterback think about something so also watch for Justin Reed in this game because he's been good so far for the Chiefs this year but I think specifically he likely was brought in this offseason with the Chiefs just in the back of their mind thinking when they face Josh Allen he's a guy that potentially can help them in this particular game because he can get downhill he can make uh, some fits in the run game he can make sure that those quarterbacks don't tear up the Chiefs like they have in the past. Hey, look, I, I think the, the, the Chiefs' draft was shaped in part by the, the games against the Bills and the Bengals last year. You know, they have 10 draft picks, and was it was five of them were, were defensive backs, corners and safeties. Um, they were going to remake that secondary, and I think with, with, with the results to you know, Jamar Chase and the Bengals and Josh Allen and the, uh, you know, and the Bills, that, that's, that's what the Chiefs looked at going into the offseason. 
So, uh, all right. So how does this, uh, you know, we, we talk about motivation. We haven't spent a moment talking about 13 seconds or the way the Chiefs won in the playoff. Um, I, I know that's obviously a topic in Buffalo this week and should be right. If the Chiefs had lost that way, we, we talk about it a lot, but, uh, but the Chiefs turning around and losing the next week in the AFC title game sort of, uh, tempers the the 13-second game uh, in Kansas City. Um, how about the fact that the Chiefs are an underdog at home for the first time uh, with Mahomes as a starter? They've been underdogs at home with Mahomes wasn't a starter. The, the, the Packers and Vikings games uh, come to mind the year that Mahomes was out with an injury. But um, uh, And then Mahomes' record as an underdog, no matter where the game is played, do do, do, do do, do players get motivated by things like that? Do we think? I mean, the, because because we have to say what we think because they won't tell us. Um, uh, they just won't say uh, it's, we don't look at that stuff. And uh, but what do we think about that, Jesse? Why don't you or Sam? You take that. Yeah, uh, Patrick Mahomes. The answer is a definitive yes. Um, I mean, I guarantee, <laughs> like I said, the players don't mention it. <laughs> I guarantee you, he's pissed off that he's an underdog um, on, on Sunday. It's. Like you mentioned, it's. But by the way, that line is growing in the Bills' favor. I mean, it opened at one, I think, and you know, last I saw, there's some websites that have it up to three. Um, it's two and a half or three. So, um, yeah, there's no doubt that Patrick Mahomes is looking at stuff like that. I mean, he's a guy that looks at every slight, um, intentional or unintentional slight, as as that that sort of motivation. And heck, I mentioned it earlier. There's this team for some reason has needed to find motivation. I would think that only getting 17 of these games a year would be enough. And man, just playing these guys, I mean, it's not lost on these guys that this could potentially decide uh, where the AFC championship game is played this year. Yeah, I agree with Sam. Real quick, uh, to get back to Chris Jones' discussion, Pro Football Focus has him lined up 191 snaps in the middle, 64 over tackle, and 15 outside tackle. So that's obviously lower than numbers last year because he started as an edge rusher, right. but they are mixing that sort of thing in there uh, with Chris Jones. But uh, I agree with Sam. I mean, I, I think the line is right. <laughs> you know, like I, I kept, I was always arguing this in college basketball, but one mark of a good team is that you just pick the crap out of other teams. And that's what the bills have done a lot this year. So um, they have dominated opponents in a way that no other team in the NFL has. Now I think the chiefs are the second best team in the NFL right now, but I think the bills are number one and on a tier of their own. So the line doesn't surprise me, but to Sam's point, I mean, we saw the pissed off Mahomes against Tampa Bay. We saw motivated Andy Reid pull out all the crazy plays against Tampa Bay and be, be prepared. So that's sort of the thing always in the back of my mind here is how will this play out? Because the Chiefs are at home, they have the airhead crowd, and we have seen a different team when they come out and have that different juice uh, in those games against Arizona and the Bucks and these other games that they played. So um, what will we see? I, I think, hopefully just a great game because these two teams, I think the best thing in the NFL might still be the NFL game of the season, even including the playoffs because these teams aren't guaranteed to meet in the playoffs. But uh, to me, this is, uh, this is the heavyweight fight right here. This is the one that you've been waiting for all year and uh, hopefully it delivers and, and meets those expectations. Yeah. With, with uh, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes facing off uh, for the first of what we think will be two meetings, but this would be the third year. I thought in 2020, the chiefs were clearly the better team. I thought last season the Bills were slightly a better team and, and just got, you know, lost a coin toss, right, in, in the playoffs. And then this year is the first opportunity to prove where where those these two teams stand. But I agree, Jesse, these are the two best teams 
in the NFL. All right, guys, great conversation. Um, yeah, had to had to had to pull the show without Vahe and and Herbie. Um, they'll be back on Sunday afterwards. That's next time we'll see you guys Sunday after the Chiefs Bills game. Join us then. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Monty Davis, Randy Mason, George Howard, and Jeff Rosen. Tip of the cap to Jesse Newell and Sam McDowell for sharing their insights on the Chiefs. Morning Sports Edition was 48 pages today full of baseball playoffs, NFL coverage, college football, golf, auto racing, soccer, you name it, it was there. Check it out at liveedition.kansascity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC.